Well, again, good morning and Happy New Year. Thanks so much for choosing to uh, start your new year by coming to church on this first Sunday. Um, this morning, we're jumping into a brand new series called Living Out Love and, and kind of trying to figure out what does that look like? How do we, how do we live out love in our lives? Um, and so what we're going to do to start it, we're going to spend some time looking at uh, some moments right before the most incredible moment of living out love. We're going to look at the moment where, where Jesus was allowing himself to be nailed on the cross for all people. And we want to look at uh, some of the things that happened in that. And, and even if you're here this morning and you're like, okay, I, I don't really believe that the cross has any power. Or you're like, there's not really a whole lot there. There's enough historical evidence that it, it literally happened. That even if you're not sure that it's got any power to it, I think it's pretty tough to argue that it's not one of the most amazing demonstrations of living out love. I mean, even if Jesus was just crazy, he was offering it, he was doing it as a benefit for others. It was a, it was a demonstration of his love. And during that process of being crucified, and, and in those moments leading up to it, we look at the story, and there's, there's seven statements that Jesus offers. A lot of theologians call these the seven last words of Jesus. Um, I'm not sure why, because after he rose from the dead, he had a lot more to say. Um, so they're basically the seven last statements before he died. So I guess you could call it that way. But this morning, we're going to focus on one of those statements. And, and we're going to look at those different statements as we go. And, and really begin to see how can those statements pour into our lives and help us begin living out love. And this morning, the statement we're going to look at, I think, will go a long ways in helping you and I overcome guilt in our lives. Because so oftentimes, I think guilt holds us back from being able to live out love. My junior year of college, uh, one evening I was pulling into the dorm, and it was, it was later in the evening, uh, and it was in the winter, and it was starting to get dark, and so as I pulled into the dorm and I parked, all of a sudden I looked in my rearview mirror, and there was a Jeep parked behind me, and the Jeep, this, don't go where you think you're going to go here, the Jeep started, it was like shaking and moving, I mean, it was like, it was crazy, it looked like it was driving down the road, and it was just, and I was like, what in the world? So I kept watching in my rearview mirror, and all of a sudden, the doors popped open, and four guys jumped out. Well, apparently at the school, I hadn't realized it, but at this school, streaking had become this big thing. <laughs> so these four guys jump out of the Jeep, and they're all wearing nothing, and they take off up the hill, and I realize as I see them take off up the hill, it's a bunch of freshmen. So I'm like, oh yeah, this is awesome. So I run over to their Jeep, open it up, and I gather up all their clothes. <laughs> and then I ran to my dorm as fast as I possibly could. And as soon as I got in the door, I started yelling to the RAs, lock the doors, lock the doors. And they were like, okay. So we locked all of the doors. The way our dorm was set up, it was on this hill. And then our dorm was down here, and there were these bridges that would lead to the dorm. So we were all, we locked all the doors, and we knew it. we were watching them, and they eventually got back to their Jeep, and then you could just see the panic. They're like, ah! Ah! And all of a sudden, we hear them come running, they're running down the hill, and then they're running across the bridge, like, da 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 you know, and they just, eventually, some other freshman felt sorry for them on the first floor and let them back in. Oftentimes in our life, there's decisions that we make... <laughs> there's actions that we take that cause some guilt. There's choices that we make that can cause some regrets. And sometimes that guilt and that regret, it can follow us for years. That's not true about that story at all. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel bad. In the least, but there are times in our lives where we make decisions. My guess is those freshmen are like, why did I do that? Anyway, 
But those moments in our lives that we feel guilty about, can, we can have a real struggle to move beyond. They can have, create a real difficulty with us being able to move past our own past. And so what I want to do is I want to look at a statement from Jesus that I think can really begin to help us move beyond the things that can oftentimes hold us back. And I think these different statements that we're going to look at will allow you and I to truly see what Jesus was doing when he died on the cross for us. And so in this series, uh, I want to explore those benefits and see how our lives can then begin to really be living out love and become a benefit for those around us. Because those around us, not only, are, don't, not only do we want to live out love, there's people around us that desperately need us to be doing that. So to start this, we're going to be looking at a series, or we're going to read the story and see right the, before the moment where Jesus was nailed on the cross. Uh, we're going to start out in Luke chapter 23. Luke was one of the guys that, that caught the story of Jesus and recorded it for us. It's on the screen. It's in your message notes. Here's what it says. It says, Great crowds trailed along behind him, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep, weep for me, but weep for yourselves. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. Finally, they came to a place called the Skull. All three were crucified there. Jesus on the center cross and the two criminals on either side. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders laughed and scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's chosen one, the Messiah. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves. This morning, I just want to look at three words. Three words in that story that I, can, that I believe can begin to release us. That can begin to give us tremendous freedom from some of the guilt that we carry, from some of the regret that we have in our lives. And when it comes to the idea of living out love, the reason that these words can be so impactful is because of the way that you and I, you, what we usually do with our guilt. The way that you and I normally process our guilt is just not healthy. It's not the way that God intended for us to deal with it. And that guilt prevents us from loving out loud, and it, it prevents us from being able to impact those around us in the way that we desire to and in the way that they desperately need. And what Jesus said can really begin to release us from that guilt if we'll begin to truly take his words to heart where he said, Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't even know what they're doing. And if we can really hear those words, if we can really hear him say, Father, forgive them, if we'll really let those words soak in, they can really begin to transform how you and I approach each and every day. But the reason that guilt holds us back so often, the reason it prevents us from living out love is what we normally do with our guilt. Typically, when it comes to our guilt, there's three things we do. We tend to bury our guilt. Well, at least we try to bury our guilt. We try to hide it. We try to take our guilt and we try to we push it down and we try to bury it and we try to pretend like we're just going to make it dead, right? The problem is burying our guilt just doesn't work. Guilt is essentially the original zombie, right? Like if you try and bury a zombie, it just like claws its way out of the ground. That's When you bury your guilt, eventually it will just claw its way back to life. That thing that you're so desperately trying to forget, it doesn't stay buried. It'll come back in our dreams. It'll come back in our thoughts. It'll, it'll rise up at some of the most inappropriate times. Those things that we try to push away, they will haunt us, and we'll, we'll think we've moved past them. We'll think we've got it going on, and we'll think we're going— and all of a sudden, in the process of making progress, 
all of a sudden it comes back up and we thought we had it buried and we thought it was in our past and all of a sudden we discover we couldn't bury it. Now, we need to deal with our past, but we can't bury our past. A guy by the name of David, a guy by the name of David did lots and lots and lots of right things. He also had a couple of really huge mess-ups. David wrote about trying to bury his past. Psalms 32, he said this, When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Read that first part of that, the first part of that verse, and he was still holding on to his guilt. He was still holding on to his shame. He was, he was not dealing with it. And if we bury our guilt, it, it doesn't get rid of it. It will just come back later. We can't contain it. And different people have different ways, different favorite ways of trying to bury it. One of the ways that we try to bury our guilt is we, if we just try to minimize it. Ah, it's not that big a deal. Ah, it really wasn't all that bad. Try to minimize it in our mind and think that it's not that big of a thing. And if it comes back up, then we just minimize it more and just minimize it more. And Ah, well, nobody, you know, the people, nobody was really hurt by it. Nobody else was impacted. We also try to bury our guilt by just rationalizing it. Well, a lot of people have done that same thing. I didn't really have a very good choice in that moment. I mean, that was really the best option I had. We think, oh yeah, most people in that situation, they would have done the same thing, and we try to, try to rationalize why it's okay. Unfortunately, when we rationalize it and feel like other people would have done the same thing, other people may have done the same thing, but you and I are the ones that actually have to deal with how we feel about ourselves for having done that thing. Another way that we oftentimes bury guilt is we just compromise. We just lower our overall standards and like, well, it's not really a sin anymore. I mean, that was in the past. It doesn't really bother many people. I used to think it's bad. I don't think it's bad anymore. And, and the problem is, in our hearts and our minds, those choices, they come back to life. Even if we minimize, even if we rationalize, even if we compromise, they come back and they haunt us. And we just think we've pushed them aside. Other thing we usually do with our guilt is we just blame others in an attempt to disguise our guilt. We take the guilt that we're experiencing and we just shift the blame to other people. And, and really, this is a tactic that's as old as mankind. I mean, the Garden of Eden. You see the story of Adam and Eve and, and their sin that they brought into the world. And in that moment, Adam took it like a man and he blamed his wife. <laughs> Good job, Adam. They both ate the fruit. They were both told, avoid this fruit. They eat the fruit. God walks in and God says, what did you do? D did you eat the fruit that I said you should avoid? And this is what Adam says. Yes, Adam committed, but it was the woman. You gave me who brought me some and I ate it. Notice what Adam does. He blames Eve and then he just blames God at the same time. Right? If you hadn't created her, I never would have sinned. God, it's, it's her, and it's, and it's you. You created her. You gave you You only gave me one woman to choose from. I, I had to marry her. Like, if, if I had two choices, God, I mean, like really, this is it's just as much your fault, God. 
And, and the reason that we blame is that we think there's sort of this, there's this scale that we're trying to keep in balance. And there, there's this scale of guilt. And when our guilt gets really, really heavy, what we try to do is we try to throw enough things on the other side of blame to try and even out the scale. And guilt is all of the things that we've done wrong, and blame is all of the things that other people have done wrong. And if we can get those two things to balance out, we feel pretty good about ourselves. And so what we try to do is if we start to feel guilty in a relationship, we just start blaming the other person and try to throw some rocks onto the other side. And maybe if we can put enough rocks on the other side and enough blame, it'll pull us back up and then we'll feel better. Well, you did this. Well, yeah, but you did that. Well, yeah, but you did this. Well, yeah, but and we just keep, you did this thing. Or blame God, or blame her, or blame him, or whatever it is. And we try to get our guilt to feel better by, by transferring fault so we don't have to own our part of it. The last thing that we tend to do with our guilt is we just beat ourselves up over it. And over, and over, and over. And oftentimes we feel guilty, and we feel bad about what we've done, and we just, we just beat ourselves up. We find ourselves just wallowing in it, and, and we try to administer our own punishment. And in our, in our subconscious, or when we're alone, we, we, just try, we just try to pay for our mistakes and just feel horrible about ourselves. And, man, why did I do this? And why did it go so wrong? And why did I... Oh, I'm a terrible person. And there was a study that was done not too long of, of people in a hospital. And in this study, they found that 50% of the people in the hospital could likely go home the next day if they could either get rid of the resentment in their hearts or the guilt in their minds. If they could get rid of the resentment they had for what other people had done to them, or if they could get rid of the guilt for what they had for what they had done to other people, this study found that these two signs of misery, if people could figure out how to deal with resentment and how to deal with guilt, they would likely be able to leave the hospital. But, but the guilt was so great that it was making them sick. The guilt was so strong that it began to make them sick. And so often in our lives, if the guilt isn't dealt with, if we don't figure out how to get beyond it, that guilt will just eat at us and make us sick. Sometimes when we're sick, we're like, well, I must have eaten the wrong thing. Maybe, maybe we need to figure out what we're eating. But maybe when we're sick, what we not need to focus in on is what is eating at us. What is it on the inside that we can't get beyond, that we keep punishing ourselves for again and again and again? And what's eating us on the inside? Back to what David said. David said, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought low. All day, all day long I go about mourning. Description of somebody being sad all day long. Of the guilt being overwhelming. Sounds like a pretty good description of depression. And he's just beating himself up. And, and the problem with punishing ourselves is, is we don't know when to stop. We don't know where it really is going to kick in. And so we just, we, we're not really sure where enough is enough. And so we keep thinking, well, I don't feel good. So I'll just keep beating myself up about it. And if I would have done it different, and if I could go back and change it. And I, I mean, you don't have to be a parent for very long. For there's a lot of things you wish you could have changed about, but you can't. And there's so many things in our lives that we just beat ourselves up about. For some of us, it's, it's stuff that's years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Maybe there's stuff even as a child. And you find yourself still beating yourself, beating yourself up over these things. 
but beating ourselves up over these things will never help us get better. We'll never move beyond it just by doing that. And so typically the problem that we run into with guilt is that we allow our guilt or the ways that we try to process it, we try to either bury our guilt or we try to blame others or we try to beat ourselves up over it. Here's the truth. That's not how God wants us to deal with our guilt. And when we look at what Jesus did on the cross, and we look at the way that Jesus was processing that, and we look at what Jesus said, this isn't what Jesus wanted for us. That's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And if we look at the way that Jesus said, Father, forgive them, then that means what we need to do is we need to look at what Jesus wants us to do with our guilt. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, what is he hoping that we would then do with the things in our life that we have done wrong? I think when we look through the Bible, it's pretty clear. I think there's some really specific ways how you and I can overcome our guilt. There's some steps that we can take. Now, understand, as we look at these three steps, they are simple. What I'm going to tell you is really, really simple. It's just not really, really easy. Okay? They're going to sound simple. It's just going to take quite a bit of effort. But here's what Jesus wants us to do and what he wants us to know. The first thing that we need to do is simply admit it. Each and every one of us has to make a decision to personally say, I am going to admit my part. I'm not going to bury it. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm just going to own it. I'm going to own my part of it. I'm going to recognize I blew it. I was wrong. And oftentimes when we, we deal with our guilt, one of the things that we do is rather than owning it, we just try to move really quickly. Right? Move quickly. I mean, some people will go to the extreme of rather than owning it or admitting it, they'll just, they'll, they'll literally move. Right? I, I blew it over here, and so rather than admitting it, I'm just going to go to a whole nother area, or I'm going to go to another job, or I'm going to go to another relationship, or I'm going to go to somewhere else, I'm going to move away from it, and we're going to travel and try to change location. The problem is, wherever you go, you take yourself. Right? I mean, like, you can go to Tahiti if you want to. Like, I'm going to get away from the guilt. I'm going to get, you'll be really warm and feel guilty. <laughs> and when you slow down enough, and you lay your head on a pillow, or in your hammock, I guess, in the quiet moments, that guilt will rush back in. That's why sometimes we, we stay so busy thinking, if I just stay busy and I, I find some more hobbies, I, mean, I don't know that we ever actually decide this. We just, if I have a lot of hobbies or if I get to work a lot and maybe watch a lot of movies or I entertain myself or I exercise or I go out or I, whatever, we just, like, if I keep busy enough, if I keep doing enough things, I don't have enough time to sit down and actually admit where I was wrong. I don't know if you've ever tried this. This is just a silly thing that I try. Next time you're in an argument with somebody, and they're just, they're like, it's, maybe it's a heated discussion, and, and try this. The next time they just sort of accuse you of something, or, or maybe they slap a label on you, just agree. Just, just admit it. Just like, yeah, okay, you're right. I mean, you're in the middle of an argument or something, and they're like, you know what, you're really dumb. Yep. Hey, you know what, you're, you're really ugly. Yep. Man, you are such a screw-up. Yeah. You, you don't even have to really be agreeing with them. But it takes all of the wind out of their sails. I was recently reading this book on negotiating. 
And this book on negotiating was talking about one of the first things you should do when you go into the negotiation is, is do this kind of like uh, accusation audit where you basically begin to explain all of the things that they have against you before they even have a chance to tell you all of the things that they have against you. And basically, suddenly, they're like, uh, I don't know what to say anymore. I, I have no power anymore. And what happens when you and I admit that we are wrong, when you and I admit, man, I, I really missed that. Ah, I made the mistake there. That was my fault. As soon as we do that, as soon as we admit that it was our fault, suddenly the power of guilt, we, we take it back. Guilt's like, you did that. And you're like, yeah, I know I did that. I'm saying I admit it. We take out the punch of the attack. We've taken that accusation, and rather than letting guilt lay it out on the table, we've taken it, and we've just laid it out. And the moment that we lay it out, we take the sting of the shame away. It begins to be reduced because we're like, yeah, I did that. And we decide to admit it. And the moment that we decide to admit it is the moment we get to be true to ourselves. This is what it says in First John. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. When we choose not to admit it, the very first person we're lying to, our, lying to is ourself. And in order for you to stop defeating yourself, you must stop deceiving yourself. That should be a motivational poster. Or somebody should knit that on a pillow or something. I, I mean, like, if you don't get anything else this morning, to stop defeating myself, I must stop deceiving myself myself. So how can we do this? One of the greatest ways that you can start doing this and admit it is to sit down, get alone with God, get out a piece of paper, and say, God, would you help me recognize the things in my life that I need to admit? Don't take a sticky note. Don't kid yourself. Take a full sheet. Give yourself room to write and just say, God, would you bring to mind those things that I tend to let come back up. God, would you help me recognize the things in my life that I need to confess? God, maybe they're from a long time ago, and sometimes they just come up, God, and then just start writing down that list. I'd say protect that list after you're done. Nobody, you don't have to show this to you. You're not going to run around and post it. It's not gonna, this is not something to put on Facebook. But, but take some time and really write it down and really admit and really process what are the things in my life that I just need to lay out there? What are the things that tend to produce guilt that are holding me back from really being able to live out love? And after we've taken time and really sat down and allowed God to challenge us in these things and we have a really solid idea of the things that are holding us back, the things that are preventing us from really living out love and, and moving past our past, then the next step that Jesus wants you and I to do in our guilt is to really accept responsibility. We're going to admit that we've done it wrong, but now we're going to actually accept responsibility for it, which means we're not going to blame anyone. This means that even if somebody else is 99% at fault, i got to own my 1%. I'm going to have to own mine. I'm going to deal with my 1%. This is not me dealing with their problem. I'm not dealing with their sin. I'm not dealing with their hang-up. I'm, I'm dealing with me. And so I've got to accept responsibility for my actions and for my choices and for my attitudes. It's a choice to say, I, I'm not going to try to rationalize this. I'm not going to try and blame somebody else for their fault. They, they, they can deal with their side of it. 
I'm not going to minimize it. I'm not going to make excuses for my choices. I'm just going to accept my responsibility and my part in this. And one of the best ways that you and I can really do this, to really accept our part in it and own our part, and this is not easy, it's to make the decision to sit down and tell someone. It doesn't have to be the person that you've wronged, but to talk about it, to tell somebody. Now hear me on this. You don't need to tell everyone, and you don't need to just tell anyone. And as you're looking for this person that you might share these things that, that you're admitting and you're accepting responsibility, if the other person has even a hint of gossip in their life, it's not them. And if the person even has a hint of tweeting or posting about other people at all, it's not them. Find somebody that can truly be a friend, unconditionally, that will listen. I mean, that, a friend that will stick with you in this. I mean, a friend's going to be somebody that's going to walk in rather than somebody that's going to walk out. I think God is saying, listen, this is an essential part of your key for letting go of guilt. I mean, if you think about it, in your life, so many of us, we've, cons we've confessed our sins to God over and over. And God, I'm so sorry. And yet there's still this sense of guilt. I think it's because we haven't taken this step. We've confessed over and over, and God has forgiven us, but we still, feel our, still find ourselves feeling guilty because we never told somebody. Here's what God says about that. God says this. He says, Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen, if you want to be forgiven for the stuff that you've done wrong, all you need to do is tell God, and you're forgiven. But I think what it's telling us here, if you want to be healed from those negative emotions— if you want to find healing, then you have to tell another person. Again, if all you want is to be forgiven, God is ready to forgive. But if you're still haunted by those emotions, if that's still coming up, and you want to be set free from that, then you need to talk with a person. And just admit it, accept it. And it's not necessarily going to be easy. And a lot of times we resist this step because we're like, well, they're not going to understand. They're not going to... But so often, the things that we feel guilty for come out of relational issues. And if we don't process those, those, those and talk through those, we find ourselves still reacting to relationships that we didn't like or things that happened in a relationship that we weren't proud of and relationships that may have happened a long, long time ago. And this doesn't even mean you have to go to the person that was the problem. We just need to find somebody that we can process and talk and say, okay, I, I admit my part. I'm accepting my responsibility for this. Because so often those relationships from long ago are still pushing us in certain ways because we did something or somebody else has done something. And when we choose to share our faults with another person, it releases the beginning of that healing from the guilt that we want to no longer carry along. And it releases that secret so it's not eating us up on the inside anymore. Now we've, ex we've exposed it. We've brought it to light. We've said, okay, this is the what I've been carrying and now I'm just going to lay it out so somebody else knows. Again, it's not yell it from the rooftops. It's not a post on Instagram. Just tell one person. And that's enough to begin to start the process that allows the healing to begin when it's the start of accepting responsibility. And then our last step in this is to just ask for forgiveness. Did you realize that God's not surprised by our struggle to move past our past? 
God was aware that forgiveness would be a really tough thing for us to ask for and to accept. I think that's why when we go through the Bible, we find it packed full of words regarding a promise or promises of forgiveness and how it works. Maybe one of the most famous is 1 John 1, 9. It says, If we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable. He forgives your sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. Don't miss what it's saying there. We don't have to beg for it. We just have to admit that we're wrong. We, we don't have to bargain with God. We just admit that we were wrong. We don't, we don't have to bribe God, and we don't have to say, I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to, I'll, I'll be a missionary. So just, just admit that you're wrong, that, that you missed it. And what we need to understand is, is that forgiveness is not something that means that now we're going to be perfect as we move forward. Forgiveness means we're no longer being held by our past. And that God's never going to bring it back up. God's never going to be like, don't forget that time you did that thing. When we admit it, then God forgives us. And that forgiveness allows us to be capable of moving forward, to living out love based out of the love that's been shown for us. And these are the steps that, that Jesus wants us to take so that, so that our guilt can be taken away because we experience his forgiveness. And honestly, if we were to go through and look at a lot of these steps, th these would work even outside of a relationship with Jesus. But the real power in it is what Jesus can do on our, in our hearts. I mean, you could go to a counselor and they would talk to you and they say, okay, admit it and accept responsibility and talk. But the true life transformation, the ultimate ability to really walk away from our guilt, to truly live out love, comes when we really understand what it was that Jesus was doing and requires us to truly understand what it is that Jesus does with our guilt and with that that we're committing or admitting we did wrong. Oftentimes we think, well, man, what I've, what I've done, the list of things in my life, that one thing that I've, it was so beyond what can ever be forgiven. The reality of it is, stop looking at what you and I have done and look at what Jesus already did. Like, that's the key to it. Not, not what sin have you committed or how many times have you done it. it. Just look at what Jesus did on the cross. I mean, that's what the cross is all about. And when we look at the cross and when we look at what Jesus was saying, and Jesus was saying, listen, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oftentimes when we read that, we just think Jesus is talking about the guys nailing him to the cross. They don't know what they're doing. They don't realize that they're nailing the Savior of the world, that they're nailing God to the cross. What if he was saying that about us? What if he was saying that about the decisions that you and I would make that would, that would impact our lives and we didn't really know the impact that they would have? Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. And if we can truly begin to embrace what Jesus was accomplishing on the cross by allowing himself to die, by allowing himself to be nailed there. If we'll allow that to truly come into our lives and embrace what Jesus does, what he wants to do with our guilt is to release us from it because of the way that he forgives. And the way that he forgives is, first, he forgives instantly. He forgives instantly. Jesus is not expecting you and I to suffer for a while. He never forgives. He never says, you can be forgiven. You're just going to have to wait a little bit. There's never any time that you're going to say, Jesus, would you forgive me? And he's going to be like, I got to think on that one. I'm going to have to do a little more research because that seems a little worse than last time. 
It's not how it works, ever. The moment that you come and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Zero delay, forgiven. Feeling guilty doesn't make us a better person. Feeling guilty isn't God's plan for making us feel miserable or, or causing us to feel holiness. I mean, guilt should move us to ask for forgiveness, but beyond that, it's done. Once we ask for that forgiveness, now it's our responsibility to believe the promise that we are immediately forgiven, that guilt no longer needs to exist. Jesus didn't intend for us to carry that guilt around. He intended us for understanding that his forgiveness is instant. And the reason that his forgiveness is instant is because of the next fact, is that he, comp he forgives completely. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for every single sin in my life. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for every single sin in your life. Every sin in your past, every sin in your future, every sin that, at all, it's all gone. He paid for all of it on the cross when he died. 100% complete. Even the sins that you can't remember. Even the sins that you forgot to ask for forgiveness for. When he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It included every wrong thing that you've ever done. And every wrong thing you will ever do. There was a price that needed to be paid for that sin in our lives. And Jesus paid it by dying on the cross. And when you and I accept that, the bill is completely, 100% paid and covered and taken care of. At my house, one of my responsibilities is I pay the bills. There's this crazy thing that happens every time I pay a bill. I don't think about it anymore. For a while, we had a car payment. We, you know, we were paying down that debt, paying down that debt. Eventually, we completely paid the car off. You know what? I don't, I don't worry about that payment anymore. I never wake up in the middle of the night thinking, <gasps> I used to pay that bill. I mean, I might celebrate it. <laughs> I don't worry about it anymore. That's what Jesus is saying. Listen, I have completely forgiven you. Don't worry about it anymore. It is complete. The payment has been paid in full. Which brings us to the third idea that Jesus wants to do with our guilt. And just remember that Jesus forgives repeatedly. He's already forgiven completely, and so it doesn't matter. If you've confessed this again and again and again, so oftentimes the hardest sin to confess is the one that we just confessed. We're like, yeah, I'm back again. I mean, honestly, in one trip downtown, in bad traffic, <laughs> it's pretty easy to repeatedly say things we regret and maybe demonstrate gestures we aren't proud to admit. But each and every time, that we come back and say, Jesus, would you forgive me again? He's like, done. Done. God's not bored with your confessions. God's in the nature of forgiving. So he repeats, he forgives repeatedly over and over and over. And the minute you and I think, well, he doesn't want to deal with this one, we minimize what Jesus did on the cross. There's never a time where you and I walk in and confess that God's embarrassed. So the same is true for us. We don't need to be embarrassed in that moment. He's desiring for us to come and admit it. And then the last thing that we need to understand about what Jesus does with our guilt is that he forgives completely. If you were here at all during December and we went through our Remembering Christmas series, this was the heart of what we saw Jesus doing by offering himself. His forgiveness is free. It's not something that you can earn. 
It's free. It's not something you can buy. It's free. It's not something you can offer a trade. The forgiveness that Jesus offers is completely free. Our part of it is choosing to accept. Choosing and saying, you know what, I'm going to admit my fault. I'm going to own my responsibility in this decision. And then receiving forgiveness that is freely offered. And when we receive that forgiveness that is freely offered that is available repeatedly, that is available to us completely, instantly, then we can be released from the guilt that holds us back, that so oftentimes keeps us chained to our past, to those decisions that we aren't proud of. And if you and I are going to be able to begin living out love, and we go through the rest of this series, if we're really going to be living out love, then we have to figure out how to get removed from our past that holds us back. And what Jesus did on the cross and the impact of his actions and the words that he said when he said, Father, forgive them. We need to allow those words to hold the meaning that Jesus intended for them to mean, to allow them to transform how you and I look at the sin in our lives and the opportunities and the things that so oftentimes hold us back and the guilt that we've experienced and recognize that it so often prevents us from living out love and it's not Jesus' intention for us to live in that guilt, but to experience the forgiveness that he offers. And every week in your Connect cards, we put an opportunity for you to respond with your next step. So what are your next steps this morning as you think about this idea of, of the forgiveness that he offers and the guilt that he wants to release you from? Maybe your next step is to recognize that Jesus doesn't want us to live in our guilt. So maybe as a part of that, you need to admit the poor choices or actions that you've taken. Maybe your next step is to accept responsibility and ask for forgiveness for your sinful choices. Or maybe your next step is to choose to live in the freedom that God's forgiveness provides. Ben's going to come in one, just a minute and play one last song, but if there's stuff that you're struggling with, if there's guilt in your past, let these words of Jesus soak in in a new way to release you to begin to live out this new year with a hope and a freedom that, that maybe has not existed before. Don't minimize what Jesus did. Recognize that his forgiveness is complete. Let's pray. Jesus, would you help us to take some of these very simple but not easy steps to begin to admit, to accept responsibility, to ask for your forgiveness and recognize that your forgiveness takes care of it all. And then out of that, God, would you help us to really begin to live out love to be an incredible, incredible demonstration to those around us of what it looks like to have truly experienced your forgiveness in our lives. Help us to take some of these difficult steps and, and take some action if we need to and talk with somebody. But do the things that you've called us to do to help us move past the guilt that we often experience. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you again for what you did on the cross for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.